Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Heart of Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Siegfried, and boy, do I have an episode for you today. I have Bianca Olaf on this episode as we talk about a topic that can be a little uncomfortable for many, and that is of sex and intimacy. I hope that you stay with us and join us on this important conversation, whether you are single, married, in a relationship, this is one you do not want to miss. Welcome, Bianca Olaf, to the podcast. Thank you Thank so much you. for joining I'm me. I'm excited to be here. I love social media. That's how we connected. I know. I love it. And what's funny, I actually have a funny story. So I am in the wedding industry, and so I always knew of your sister. Oh, okay. But because you guys didn't don't share the last same name, and yeah. I... so. When I first was introduced to you, it was through my sister-in-law. She sent me one of your your sermons, and I was just hooked. But I was like, man, she looks so familiar. And then I was scrolling one day, and I saw Jasmine, and I was like, Bianca? Jasmine? <laughs> and then I, I like did the double take, and then I went onto Instagram to be like, I'm not losing it, am I? I was like, oh my gosh, she's a twin. Yep. Yeah, I, I know that happens. People will go as far as saying, like, do you have a doppelganger or do you have like another, uh, like an, an alter ego? <laughs> like, no, like you're <laughs> that's funny. That's so cool. I love it because you guys were both blessed with like the ability to speak truth to people in different Aww. aspects. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I also love what you guys are doing at the Father's House. It's amazing. We're exciting. We're excited. It's been a year. We're at church plant in Orange County, California, and it's been a little bit over a year. And when you decide, like when you decide to have any venture, no matter how hard you plan, you can't plan for a pandemic, you know? True. Like, that is so true. Yeah. This has really, it's forced us to step into leadership in ways that we never thought that we, we knew we were capable of. And the beautiful so thing fun. about this is like, it is tragic and it, it has affected lives. It has affected families. It's affected health. Uh, the flip side to this, though, is that it is forcing people to make decisions about how they're going to respond, who they're going to be, and the impact that they're going to have. And so we're yeah, stepping full force into that. And um, I love, 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 love just seeing like what's happening even in the midst of trial, trauma, and tribulation. We could rise as victors. And so yeah, and and everyone's coming together. And I love that you are calling the church to come together. And you're, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head too. Like when we're in a pandemic which is very rare, but I mean, whenever we're in like a struggle or something that's when we're hitting rock bottom, that's when we have to question, what are we doing on this earth? And that's hopefully pointing everyone to God. And you guys are there planted for a reason Mm -hmm. virtually too, because you're reaching people worldwide, which I love because I'm in Portland and they're in Orange County and I get to watch on YouTube all the time. I love, I love it. it. You're such a good supporter too. I love it. He's tagging and I'm like, I'm like oh, Bianca. Girl, <laughs> friend for life, dude. <laughs> I love it. Well, so I'm also so curious about your story, but like, and how you first got started in ministry. I think it's always so interesting because I think often, even just me starting, so just starting the podcast, it's like, I look up to female leaders in ministry thinking like, how do, like they're just they're just blessed like that I mean they they didn't go through you know the fire to get there you know they're just blessed and I think it's important for people to know that they did you do walk you know you have a story you yeah. have a journey to get you to where you are now in ministry so could you share a little bit about that yeah so I would say this is like the abbreviated version but um I was raised 
uh, my whole family. So I'm Mexican, which means <laughs> that you have I come from a family of lots of kids, and we love parties, and we're rarely on time. And this is par for the course. Uh, but um, my my story is a little bit different. I'm first generation American. My dad came from Mexico. My mom came from Puerto Rico, and um, they met in Los Angeles and started a family. And my dad went on this. His his life is just pockmarked and super crazy. Um, but after fighting in Vietnam, he came back and had a okay. radical encounter with God and felt the call to church plant in East Los Angeles, California, AKA the ghetto. Mm-hmm. So like my childhood is just pockmarked with living in an urban environment, the concrete jungle. Uh, yeah. we joked and said it was not Los Angeles. It was lost Angeles because everyone was just lost. <laughs> totally. and, um, and so my, my journey is just so different. I, both my twin sister and I, we were illiterate until we were about 12. We were obese. Um, I think statisticians would have put us in that category, highest prone to failure. Uh, First generation, people of color, women, illiterate, and with uneducated, formerly uneducated parents. And um, what does that look like? And yet the hands of God, and I know that there's people listening who may not have a faith background. So I'm not trying to shove anything down anyone's throat. I'm just going to tell my story, tell my testimony. Oh yeah, tell it. And, oh, and literally, I just, I, as a young child, I was raised in faith. And as a young child, I was just like, God, if you are real, if you give me words, I will give you my voice. Mm-hmm. And we have to be real careful about the promises we make to God because oh, yes. uh, you gotta he, keep that. he is faithful. He, did. <laughs> he gave me what I asked for. Um, and since I would say since probably the age of, so I, again, I was raised in faith, uh, raised in a Christian household, but my faith became my own when my mom was diagnosed with two forms of cancer. One of them was brain cancer, and she wasn't. She was given a thirty percent chance to live. And I vividly remember having kind of like this come to Jesus moment, where I'm like, God, if you are real, I'm not saying if you heal my mom, I think you're real. I'm just saying if you're real, will you make yourself present mm. in this moment? And He is. Scripture says that God is faithful. He's a faithful God, and that word in Hebrew is aman or amen, and that word is unchanging. It's steady. It's stalwart. And I saw the hands of God just move in my family's life in a way that I don't want to sound like an after-school special, but God spared my mom's life, and now her life is a huge testimony to so many other people. I think that was like the marking moment for me. I was in graduate school and I wanted to go get my PhD. And I was just like, that's what I want to do. I just make lots of money. I want to be in LA. I want to my art gallery. And God got a hold of my heart. I saw too much and I heard too much. And I, like when Moses heard the cry of his people, he couldn't help, but like let go of the life that he once had. And that's kind of what it feels like where God invited me into this radical journey of like, you're going to go through the desert and it's going to be hot and people are going to be hungry. And you know, there's going to be complaining and there's going to be a whole lot of crazy things, but there's a better land. There's a land of freedom. So this own personal freedom journey for me, I just want to create for other people like, Hey, there's a promised land and we're meant to inherit it. And God has a plan, a purpose, a calling and a destiny over our lives. If we're willing to step into it. I love that I think so that's much. The, the abbreviated version. <laughs> abbreviated, man, that was good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I think we're done. Um, <laughs> the people be blessed. Um, that's so good. See, but I love it. I love the testaments of it too, because it's like, you. and when you're in that moment, you're just like, you know, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you're real, but if you are, and I, I think that's important too, to be be aware and be willing to, yeah. to ask God, like, you know, yeah. be like, Hey, 
show me, show me what you want to show me. Yeah. Um, so I love that you, you know, heard the call and that you are faithful in it because you're blessing so many people around you. And for those who maybe haven't seen you preach or anything, I just want to say she's on fire and <laughs> you're so hilarious and so funny and so relatable. And I think that's why I gravitate towards you. And I also think just you speak to women in general. Uh, women and men, of course, but definitely to a woman's heart because we want relatability. We want someone who's personable and mm. I don't know if that's someone, you know, you're someone I look up to and I know other women do too, but there's one topic that I love that I would love to talk to you about because I've heard your messages. I've heard your sermons on it and I never heard someone else speak it so, um, just so openly. You know, you're in the church, but you've got to talk about sex and you've got to talk about intimacy because, you know, we were created for that, especially, you know, in the sanctity of marriage. And so let's talk about a little, let's talk about sex. I love it. I love it. (laughs) The words of ludicrous, you could be a lady and a freak in the bed. Okay. Like, (laughs) make that happen. (laughs) I know. I love it. I love it. I also love it too, because it like makes people a little like. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think it's so good. And we're on a podcast. So, you know, you're, you're in the like safety of your home. No right. one's watching you right. blush. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, um, I think first and foremost, I think we have the intention and like the reason for sex so backwards in, in society. And so I think to set the tone, right. For just what we're talking about with sex is like, what, was God's intention for sex. So, totally. And so I love that we get to have this conversation. And so my precursor to this entire conversation is that my worldview is based on a biblical worldview. So I know that not everyone's going to agree with this. I'm just going to tell you, okay. we all live by these standards, whether stated or unstated. I live by a stated standard, and that is of what God has written in his holy word. And so again, come to the table, have conversations, poke yeah. hold. I'm here for totally. it. I'm here for it. So I'm going to give the perspective that I have studied and love. And um, in, in God's original design, uh, this relationship of, of, of union, of marital union coming together, these two lives were brought together through the union and bond of a covenant. And that covenant was the act of sex. It's two lives coming together as one. Paul says that it's two becoming one. Now, keep in mind that Paul is writing this. So uh, so let's go uh, Old Testament in the book of Genesis. There's a covenant relationship between Adam and Eve. They're coming together and there's this, this mandate. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Well, then in the New Testament, before Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Now, one is in the context of marriage and the other one is in the context of a spiritual kingdom. But then if you notice, God allegorizes the church as his bride. So there's this covenant between them. Then Paul levels it up and he ups the ante and he tells people like, hey, when you come together, do not unite yourself with a prostitute or someone that you're not in a marital covenant relationship with. And he goes on to say why. But during this time, Paul is writing uh, at a time where philosophy was at the height of, of, of the known civilization. So when we get our understanding of like soulmate, that's rooted in Socratic understanding. Socrates spoke about humanity being divided in half. The souls were separated 
as the Greek tale goes, these two souls would wander around the earth. And if they were united, then that was your soul mate. So what's happened is that we've taken this philosophy, <laughs> ancient philosophy of saying my soul mate and intertwined it with a biblical understanding thinking, well, that's the person that's my soul mate. This person's going to complete me because in Socratic understanding, two halves make one whole. But that's not what the Bible says. And in fact, if we can back this up to like Jerry Maguire movie, with <laughs> yes. love, and he says, you complete me. That's actually not <laughs> true. And we as women have been sold a faulty bill of goods. We've been sold a lie that if you find that one person that there's somehow your kismet match is going to complete you. I or that we are empty because right. we don't have that match. Right. Which... And is not true no. because Paul says in Colossians, you are complete in Christ, not complete in marriage. You don't become whole when you become a missus or you get a diamond ring. No, you are complete in Christ. And so that's a little bit of like old Testament, a little bit of a new Testament, but let's just talk about the point of like sex. It is to unify. It is to bring together. It is to bond. And every time that you engage in sex, you are bonding with that person, not just physically, but physiologically and also spiritually. Like your mm -hmm. souls co-mingle with that person. And yeah. I mean, I can geek out. Does I can geek out? I love it. Well, that's why. And then you <laughs> tell me where to go from here because I can go on a roll, sister. No, I actually, that, I love it. I love it. That's why I've listened to all of your messages about it because it's, it's changing the tables of what we're perceived, like what we believe we right. know about sex. And really, even especially from a biblical stance, especially if you grew up in the church, you're, you know, it's like, ooh, sex, we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even in my own household, I grew up in the church and well, we didn't really talk about anything. So we weren't very communicative. <laughs> and I had to find my, my worth in yep. intimacy and also my understanding of relationships based on other people and based on media and based on my friends, what my friends were doing. Right. And it's really unfortunate, but at least now we can have this conversation and hopefully reach, you know, the women who need to hear it because I think so much of why as a single girl or even in a relationship that might not be right, you feel, you feel broken, you feel yeah. lost, you feel um, just not whole yeah. and you, and you don't, it's because when you are giving yourself to someone else. And I like when you're talking about, I mean, it is our, our spirits intertwining and everything. So why, why is it so important that it's done in the covenant of marriage? So first, let me just affirm you for even tackling this topic. So <laughs> you grew up in a Christian environment. I grew up in a Christian environment where it was just like, good girls don't talk about these things. No. And the expectation is don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. So it's like this faucet that you're never allowed to turn on, but then you get married and you're expected to be an immediate sex kitten that wants sex. <laughs> so you go from having like shut off your sexuality, shut it off and then turn it on. And now it's this torrent of water coming out and we're not giving women and men space to process what do I need? What fulfills me? What makes me feel safe? So by you opening up this conversation, I love it. I love it. I feel like you're ballsy because of it. And I'm here. Wow, I love it. So, okay. So the importance of coming together is yes, there is a covenant. So in a spiritual relationship, every time we come together, um, it is a sign and a symbol of our unification with um, our spouse. But I'm going to talk about, and so that's a biblical standpoint. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this just in a, like, in a completely um, like mental, chemical, physiological standpoint. Yes, I love that too. So 
before, if, if you're a person of faith and we're always told like, don't have sex. So before you get married, the only message we're hearing is don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And the temptation um, of the enemy of the world is like the, all the messaging before you have sex is have sex, have sex, have sex. <laughs> and then what happens is that you get married and all of a sudden the enemy's tactics are don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. Mm. Why is that? Because there is power in sexual union. What happens, like, if, in the exchange of sex, there is chemicals that are released in the brain targeting the exact same location of the brain that cocaine targets. So what is released in the brain is dopamine. What is released in the brain are tons of brain chemicals that allow you to bond with that person. Now, if we want to geek out with the sciences, I want to geek out. No, <laughs> it is referred to as a, as a sex cocktail that that from 12 to 18 hours after the physical act of sex, that you are still in this state of connection with that person. So what science proves is that you may not even like the person, but the act of sex bonds you to that person. And there's this connection, even if you don't like them. That's why so many girls, so many guys go back to their exes mm-hmm. and dysfunctional relationships because they shared something. Their souls co-mingled. Their souls co-mingled. And the danger in sex outside of the context of marriage is something called soul ties, where you engage in activity, good or bad, that brings two souls together that cannot be undone. And if we are not careful, we are building soul ties with people that are not our spouse. And then that's why we end up in toxic relationships or just toxic ourselves. Because, I mean, how many how many ties are going around you, like bind, like just binding you. Locked and keeping yeah. you down. Now the beauty in this is like my, my fear is that someone's going to hear them say, oh my God, I've slept with 20 guys. I slept with 200 guys. And so the beauty in this is that through the power of Jesus, through his shed blood and the relationship that we have with him, the lies that we have believed, um, the longing that our bodies crave, the soul ties that have been made with these yeah. individuals that we've engaged in sexual activity. Oh, and here's a little caveat, sister. When we talk <laughs> about sex, I'm not just talking about like, um, like the penetration of sex. I'm talking about if you ask a medical practitioner how they define sex, sex is hand to genitalia, mouth to genitalia, and genitalia. So any connection that's, any connection. that's sexual, physical, yep. you yep. are creating some sort of some sort bond. Of which makes now, sense. I mean, especially for women, we right? just, we feel, we or just feel everything, you know? Yes. So I feel like we're more receptive maybe to and that. Open and more open for that. Yeah. I, now I want to be careful that we don't get into like gender roles as yeah. women, but like, cause I don't want to st- typecast anyone, no. but statistically speaking, women are more created, more emotional. Um, and not, I'm not talking about like we cry more. I'm talking <laughs> about with our emotional self. And again, I'm not saying all women are this. I'm saying by and large, statistically speaking, um, we are more prone. Women are more prone. And this is research from Dr. Uh, Dr. Amen. Um, He's a a brain specialist where it's just a percentage where 68% of women are more inclined to have some sort of a connection in us after a sexual uh, connection. And there's no explanation for it. It just happens to be women. So that's why the research that women are more inclined. That makes sense too. I mean, God created, created us, you know, to, to desire. Right. And then created man to pursue. So it's kind of a, give and take of that. But man, 
I mean, it's so true and so good. And I know so many people need to hear this because me for myself too, because I, throughout my twenties and high school and all that, I wasn't really living biblically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, but I've had to deal with releasing those same type of ties because, you know, you feel like, well, why do I like this person when I know logically and spiritually, like they're not right for me. So why do I have this this longing for like a what if or yeah you know keep it's keeping me my mind you know um and you know what's interesting too is that it's not just so of course there's the sexual and psychological aspect of like a soul tie but if we just kind of pause and maybe there's like listeners that are like well it's not like I haven't had a whole lot of sexual partners haven't had a whole lot of sexual experiences and yet I still too have this desire for intimacy sexuality and relationship that that feeling is very normal. In fact, from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, God said everything was good. When he created light and separated light from dark, it was good. When he separated water from land, it was good. The animals that flew from the animals that crawled it, it was good. He created man and it was good. And the one thing that he said was not good was that man was alone. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that God said was not good was isolation. We were created to be in community. And even if you take a look at the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in the beginning of of time in Genesis, what's recorded is God says, let us make them in our image. So God himself, the fullness of the Godhead is in community. So if we are desirous of community, we are desirous of being that that person, it doesn't mean that you're broken or that you're needy. We're created for that. Now, for some women, it's going to be in a marital relationship. For some, it's just going to be in a community of friends. Yeah. For some, it's going to be a fulfillment and some, so, some sort of activity of engaging with someone else because we are designed and created to be in community. So if someone's listening and they're like, I'm just very lonely, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. It's yeah. normal. I love that too, because it is reaching the masses and in different areas too, because especially in quarantine, I mean, we're probably desiring it even more, especially those who are like, Oh my gosh, I just want to see my friends. But I mean, I think too, because we desire it, are we also putting our worth in right? That intimacy or putting our worth in that relationship. And then therefore we're giving everything into yeah. this one relationship rather than into God to so ha- I mean, any tips or advice? Or- well, I, I, I can't help but look at like culture. So this goes back to like, I mean, I'm talking back in the day <laughs> when women's value was placed um, as a commodity. And so that is still, yes, we are not, women aren't being dragged around by their hair, like in caveman days and (laughs) women aren't being bartered in transactional, you know, land acquisition, like we see in the medieval times and women uh, are, are not treated like that anymore, but we have still bought the lie hook, line and sinker that our value is in what we give rather than just innately who we are. And so we feel like if I give myself in sex or if I give myself to be somebody's handbag, like just arm candy, if I give myself of this, then I'm going to somehow find value in that. When one, that's a lie. Two, it'll never bring you fulfillment. And three, you're cutting yourself short from what God has planned for you, like you as an individual. Now, if, if God brings someone to be in relationship with you and marriage, you guys do something together. Awesome. And amen. But 
Your value is simply in who you are. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his masterpiece. It's not like, oh, we're just some chintzy paint by color. We are his masterpiece. We are in Greek, it's poema. We're his poem. We're this crafted piece to bring glory to God. Uh, we're told by in, in the prophets that we are in a prophet Isaiah that we are formed in our mother's room. Jeremiah says that when we were in our mother's womb, he knew us by name, that we are in Psalms, we were told that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. And that's outside of a wedding ring or being somebody's wife or being somebody's girlfriend or being somebody's mom. We are yeah. fearfully made because God has purposed us and our value is not in what we give away, whether that's sex or our body or our beauty. We are values because Christ finds us valuable. It's so good. You flip the script. We so good. Flip the script. <laughs> flip it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we're flipping it. I think so many people need to know that, you know, that yeah. them giving themselves away isn't doing anyone any good. Right. You know, like, and a lot of times when you do, you then start to feel shame and you don't even know where it's coming from. Yeah. And think of it as like, I, I, I want to be careful with using like um, word pictures because oh. I feel like all examples kind of break down at some point. But if, if, if sex is in the confines of marriage, then what, when we have sexual intimacy, what I pour into my spouse, he's pouring into me. But if we are having sexual intimacy with people that are not our spouse, we are pouring out and pouring out and pouring mm. out and pouring out and we are left incredibly empty. And so in addition yeah. to a lot of the shame that we feel and a lot of feeling worthless, a lot, I'm not saying every time you have sex with someone, you feel worthless, but no. a lot of the broken relationships leave us feeling worthless because if I was worth something, they would have stayed. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't stay, that means I'm not worth it. So we're left feeling worthless. We're left feeling a sense of shame. We're left feeling empty and depleted. And we are left feeling like, well, what's left of me? Yeah. Where that was never the intent of marriage. Sex is good and sex is ordained by God and sex is for unification. Sex isn't just for procreation, it's for recreation. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what so I'm saying? Good. Amen. I, I feel I like, like media has made uh, monogamous sex boring, blase, vanilla, beige, and you only, you know, wear khakis. And I go, <laughs> message. Like Christians in a marital, I don't even think Christians, just people in a monogamous covenantal relationship should be having the best sex ever. Yes. And if but, you're not, get on it. You yes, know? absolutely. Because also one of the things you've mentioned too, which I would like to mention is how a lot of times in a mar in marriage, the enemy is trying to attack that. Right. He's trying to attack that union. And so yeah. that a lot of times that is with sex, because if that is something he can get in your head, oh, I'm too tired. Oh, oh, I have a headache. Or the yeah. more and more you leave that area intimacy alone, the further and further you get from one another. Completely agree. I guess we just got to have a lot more sex. <laughs> I was going to say, how can we defend ourselves <laughs> against that? <laughs> and you want to know something. Here's the thing. I think the easy thing is saying have more sex, but for those that are married and um, engage in relationships, think of it as a, a fire within a hearse. You know, a fire is totally needed and important fire outside of the context of a fireplace, a hearse, will wreak havoc and danger. So sex outside of the context of marriage creates wildfires and decimation. But sex within the confines of marriage, it warms a house, it cooks food, it provides light. 
Now to carry that metaphor. So I've heard that before, like, you know, don't have sex before marriage because it'll destroy you. (laughs) But let's carry that metaphor into five, 10, 15 years of marriage. If we don't stoke the flames, if we don't grow and foster that fire, that fire will go out. So the divorce rate within the United States is as high as the divorce rate for non-Christians. So there's nothing within the confines of a Christian marriage or a non-Christian marriage that keeps people together. We've got a problem. And I'm not saying sex is the solution. What I am saying is it is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times um, we are prone to put the burden of responsibility for initiating sex onto our partner. And I'm not just saying women, I mean, it's like, yeah, I think, I think everyone. Yeah. Right. Right. And so what does it look like if we make a conscious decision, if we are strategic about our finances to get out Mm -hmm. of debt, if we're strategic about our weight loss, about not eating bread to lose (laughs) the five pounds, if we're strategic about our parenting, disciplining, time out, whatever we're doing, so our children don't end up serial killers. Why can't we be strategic on our sex life? And you know what? I'm going to buy a piece of laundry or I'm going to plan a date night or I'm going to order this special bottle of wine and I'm going to romance my husband. And the misnomer, this is where I am going to speak to women on this, is like the misnomer for women is that men don't need or want romance. And statistics will show (laughs) repeatedly that men want to be romance. Now, it doesn't look maybe like rose petals and horseback. I'm talking about an episode (laughs) of over here, you know? Like, it may not look like that for them, but like, figure out what is romantic to your husband. Is it his favorite meal? Is it just going on a walk together? Is it having a you know, a, an adult beverage with him, you know, yeah. on the back patio, like give him a back rub, something. Exactly. something. Yeah. So what would it look like if we initiated? And I hate to say this, but a lot of it is a mental mind game. It begins in the morning. Absolutely. I'm going to romance my spouse. I'm going to be intentional. And you know what? Every time that we make this declaration that we are going to desire sex, that we're going to be excited about sex, that we are going to be excited about intimacy, we're going to be excited about coming together. I'm telling you, there's going to be a full on assault. Like they're going to annoy you. Some kids are going to melt down. You're going to burn dinner. And then you're like, you know what? Just screw it. I'm actually, we should screw, but we're not. It's so true. I feel like every time I'm like, oh, yes, we're going to have a date night. I'm going to be in like the best mood. And then something happens. And I'm like, oh, you just, oh, you're irritating me. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. So we have to fight through that. It's it's so true. Sometimes you just have to do it and appreciate it. Like, you always appreciate it afterwards, right? You're always like, and then you're like, dang, why don't we do that more? More often, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And sometimes, and I'm, please, I want to be careful because I don't want someone to be like, wait, are you just saying I should just force myself? Oh, no, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, yeah. saying, I'm saying try and try and try and try. And I'm not kidding you. It and is, obviously if you're both like in the same. Right, know, right, yes. Not like a toxic relationship. Right. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to bring because we don't want someone to know. I know. I know. I'm like, like this is don't just I force said. yourself to do it if it's a bad relationship. <laughs> right. There's a level of mutuality and there's a level of excitement and all and respect. Respects. I think yes. also respect, like yes. on both ends. Yeah. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, isn't it so liberating? I feel like everyone needs to talk about sex a little bit more. I'm telling Maybe you. Be liberated. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone listening then starts to plan date nights and then, and then we have there's gonna be a baby boom after baby this. Baby boom. Totally. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> so and then good. we can do a whole pitch for your wedding gown. It's like, get Perfect. married, then go enjoy sex. I always yes. like to say like, don't, have, and so when Matt and I were dating, my husband and I were dating, people were like, wait, so you don't have sex? Like, how do you know if it's going to be good? And to me, I was just like, I think it's going to be good because we have great chemistry with our clothes on. I can't imagine the clothes <laughs> off. I'm like, if it's not perfect, yeah. right out the gate, guess what? We practice and we get free. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's funny that you say that because that just made me think too, like how many people are just focusing on the chemistry they have with their clothes off? Totally. And then they're like thinking it's a good thing, but they can't even be in sync with their clothes on. Right. Yeah, that's so good. I know there's such a like cliche of like being Christian and not having sex and Mm -hmm. it's like you're missing out. (laughs) Yeah. Because when it is with the right person and with, you know, in the context of marriage, there's just something more powerful. It is. To overcome more. And I think that we can redeem the narrative. Like at first, um, you know, when someone says they're not having sex, you know, in high school, it's like cute and endearing. And then when someone (laughs) gets to college and they're like, I'm making a choice to be abstinent. It's like, oh, I mean, cool girl, do you. (laughs) And then you get out of college and you're in your twenties or you're in grad school, you're traveling. People are like, wait, you're not having sex. It's just straight weird. And now there's a whole wave of older women in their late twenties, early thirties, you know, late thirties, early forties that are choosing to be celibate until marriage. And they, they are perceived as absolutely bonkers. Yeah. And I feel like we need to change the narrative and say, there is reward that scripture is very clear that when we pursue God, God is a rewarder of those who seek him, that God is a rewarder of marital unions, that God is, is a God who could redeem all things. And so I, I'm saying women who are making these decisions and waiting years and then making a stupid decision by just blowing it all away because Mm. people, thought it was weird or they had an urge and then they're walking around with the regret of that and I just want to speak very clearly to the fact like is it easy no is it will people think that you're weird yes do you care (laughs) probably but you shouldn't yeah we are going to live according to the tenets of God's word and there's blessings in that I'm a living testament of that I waited until I got married I was 30 years old when I got married 29 years old when I got married amazing 30 30 yeah 30 years old when I got married and um and I can, I can stand on the other side and say, it's doable. Not only is it doable, it's good. God yeah. is good. And now I get to talk to a bunch of other women about this. And it's just like, so good. Hey, God can redeem. If you made some mistakes, God can redeem it. But if not, like, wait, just, just yeah. wait see how God shows up on the other side. Yeah. I love that. And it's um, reaching both, you know, like yes. all, all of the things you've done in your past that doesn't ha- define you and it doesn't define your future and it doesn't define what you should, how you should feel yeah. moving forward. and. So there's, you know, I think those listening to who feel like, oh, well, I didn't wait. Oh, no. Uh, um, yeah. You know, there's God's grace. So that's why there's the, it's there for us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bianca, I appreciate you so much for just sharing everything <laughs> and, and talking about sex with me. Just another girl <laughs> talking, talking about sex. Uh, <laughs> so you're doing so many great things that I want everyone to know about. I want them to know how to listen to you on YouTube and also um, your ministry. Yes. So um, like you mentioned before, my husband and I uh, co-lead at a church called the Father's House, Orange County. We're located in Orange County, California. 
We have a YouTube channel and there's weekly messages that are there as well as all of our messages are on iTunes. Um, if people want more information, they can follow along on all forms of social media at Bianca Oltoff. And I have a podcast coming out in July. So good. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to listen. It's going to be so good. Thank you. Friend. I know that's the one good thing too about, I feel like quarantine and like people right. taking a step back. I feel like there's a lot more people going towards even more, you know, like, yes. yeah, I don't know. I love it. Definitely so doing fun, new things. Yes. Fun, new things. I'm so excited for you. And so my podcast is all about living with a heart of purpose. And so I would love to know, how do you find purpose in the everyday? You know, it's so funny. I was on staff at a, a global anti-human trafficking organization about, uh, going on eight years now. And I was there for, oh gosh, nine years ago. And I was there for seven years. So two years ago, I knew that my time there was done because I can't, I can't explain it other than I know it's going to sound bananas. I knew I had to go into prisons. I had to go into prisons and I had to tell inmates about Jesus. I wanted to not just preach to them, but I wanted to resource them. So I brought in my books and books from Bob Goff and Sadie Robertson, Christine Kane, Lisa Turkers, and I was just giving away books. And <laughs> I felt like in this really weird sense that God was going to do something with that. And from that, that's where we kind of got the idea. My husband's a level three sommelier. So we were having food oh, wow. and nights at our house. And so I would go out and serve in prisons. And then over the weekends, we would host food and wine nights at our house. And I was going and speaking to people who were physically incarcerated and then coming back to our house and hosting these gorgeous dinners and realizing all these Orange County people have, so, they, their life looks so perfect. The Botox has kept everything high and tight. <laughs> into, you know, our hearts where like hearts don't move and people have lost a sense of emotion. And I saw that and my heart was broken that I saw more freedom in prison than I saw in the lives of people in the United States who are yeah. living outside of prison walls. So my purpose is I want to preach to the incarcerated, both physically and spiritually, and so tell them good. that they can live a life of freedom through Jesus Christ. Oh, that's so good. I love that. And it's so true. Like we may not have bars in front of us, but right. what's in our hearts, you know, Absolutely. and the chains like that bind us from right. all the lies. Well, thank you so much, Bianca. I can't, I just can't thank you enough. Seriously. I love it. This is so fun. I'm so glad yes. we got to meet online. I know. Same, same, same. Wow, how good was that? Talking to Bianca was just such a refreshing conversation. And I know it's a topic that we don't always talk about, but it is so, so important in our relationships. Um, so whether you're single or whether you are in a marriage or a relationship, I just hope that it spoke to you. And I would love to send you off with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for everyone that joined me today and who listened to this message. Lord, I pray for anyone who is struggling with this topic, struggling with intimacy, struggling with their relationships. Lord, I pray that you are with them. I pray that you give them discernment and I pray that you give them passion and fire. And I pray that they can be renewed in you and be purified in you. Lord God, I pray for anyone who is seeking forgiveness. Lord God, I pray that you are with them right now, that you fill them with your presence, Lord. I pray for everyone to be renewed in this, Lord, in this topic, in their bodies, in their minds, and in their hearts, Lord. I pray that you are with them today and always. And thank you, Lord, so much for this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. And until next time, love you.